All right, give me the spice injected into my veins. We are back after a brief delay while I was traveling and we have a great episode of the Insatiable Content Podcast that I'm really hoping you'll feel was worth waiting for. I am your fearless host, Vincent Rossmeyer, and I'm here to help guide you through the wilds of all the content out there in culture right now. And today we have a podcast first, um, our very first returning guest, none other than my good friend, Jody Moendo. Welcome back, Jody. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. I'm so glad you are here. Um, We are going to discuss one of my favorite movies I've seen so far this year, Dune. Um, Now, Dune is both in theaters right now, uh, which is where I saw it, but then it's also, I think for the month, streaming live um, and free on demand um, on HBO Max for HBO Max subscribers. And so this is an interesting thing where this movie is clearly intended for the big screen, right? But you also have something where you can watch it from your couch without all the sound quality that you might have in a movie theater. So, Jody, you saw it at home, right? Right. I saw it at home and it probably does lend itself to a big screen. However, I think you can enjoy it on the small screen at home. Marty really enjoyed the visuals. Um, I did not. (laughs) But it's more... I, I have... I have a negative Pavlovian response to sand. So so all of the sand scenes were, I I was not digging it, you know? (laughs) So, um, but, but for people who enjoy the beach, I guess, you know, this will probably be a great visual movie. Well, that's, that's a great lead in because that gets us sort of into the first thing that I actually did like. And I agree with Marty, your, your wife that, uh, yeah, I love the visuals of this. Um, I, As I said, this is on HBO Max right now, but to me, I would really recommend people seeing it in a theater. And if you could um, do like I did, which was see it in IMAX, it was just incredible. Um, now, it's also a strange change. I don't know if you're this way, Jody, but like when I'm at home, I watch everything with closed captioning because... I don't think my sound system is that good. And let's be honest, I'm just an uh, almost 40 year old man who just has trouble hearing sometimes, I think. But to me, the visuals of this movie, along with the soundtrack and seeing it in IMAX were incredible. And to me, I love the desert landscape. It's because it's like nothing else that you can ever see. It's like truly otherworldly. And to me, this was like why you go to the movies, like to be transported, to be immersed, to be in an experience that you just can't have otherwise. And I've like been in sandstorms, nothing anywhere near like this, but it's like wild and blinding and like, I don't know, it's just completely disorienting. And to me, the movie was like that. Like you really felt like you were in a sandstorm when it was happening. And am I taking it that that's actually why you didn't like it because you felt it was so realistic and you do not like sand? That's another reason because I have been in a sandstorm and they are not fun. No, not beautiful. (laughs) You know, it's not majestic at all. Um, No, but the, the Pavlovian part was when we were young, we used to go to the beach uh, drive to Florida. So I don't know, six hours or however long it took us to get to the beach. And on the way back, I would have sand on me. We didn't like shower or, you know, do anything like that. So I would have sand on me and I could not sleep. It would itch so much. So the whole six hours back, I was trying to sleep and it kept waking me up itching. So I hated it. And I just, I just started hating sand. I started hating the beach 
after that. <laughs> well, I, on that, we completely agree. I think that is the best take that's been uttered on uh, this podcast so far is that the beach is overrated if just not downright not fun. Like, Agreed. why do I want sand everywhere on my body? Um, the ocean is fine. I have nothing, no problem with the ocean, but sand is just not enjoyable in any sense of the word. And just sitting on a beach all day bores the hell out of me. I'd much rather be in the mountains hiking. But um, I, so on that, we at least agree. But as as to Dune, like to, to me, I was uh, like, I, I think it was so visceral that you could at some points almost feel like the sand was on you. Um, but I can also see why that isn't something that everyone would necessarily respond to in a right, positive right. way. You're, make, you're making my point. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and yeah, the visuals were um, amazing. I love the direction of the movie too. Um, I'm not going to even try to pronounce uh, the director's name, Villeneuve. Um, I guess I just did try to pronounce it. Um, but he, he, I think the action sequences, again, this is a big thing for me in action sequences in movies that there's a logical progression that you can follow. And and as a viewer, you're not suddenly jumping and being like, okay, that doesn't make sense continuity wise. That was like really well done in this movie. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed the, that immersive experience. The second thing that I really liked and wanted to get into, I'll be interested to hear your take on this is I was so glad this was a movie. And I know you feel like, and completely legitimately that this is a deliberately setting up a second movie. You, this movie is so is not a complete thing. It's clearly setting up a series, and where the film ends is, um, you know, really midway into the story. But I was so happy it wasn't a TV series where I have to watch thirteen hours um, in one season just to see what all plays out, and then there's a cliffhanger. It was just nice that this was two and a half hours. It's a succinct thing. And yeah, it just reminds me, I just really like movies as opposed to everything having to be like a long drawn out series. Do, do you agree with that? Well, my preference is a TV show because in a TV show, you can really flesh out all the intricacies of a book, all the nuances that are presented in a book. However, in, in this movie, I think they did a very good job of uh, staying true to the story. And I agree with you, they didn't have to, they, they didn't go into every single nuance of the book, um, but also a lot of it wasn't necessary. So in this case, I, I don't mind it being a movie. Um, my issue, and you, you kind of touched on it before, is that there, was, there wasn't really a story here. Some things happen, but there wasn't a story. There was no resolution. It was just like the the main character went through some things and then the movie ended. <laughs> it is all set up. Yeah, I mean, I, I truly agree with that. It is all set up. And like the big twist here, um, even if you haven't read the book, it's pretty obvious what's coming. Um, now, what you don't get is a ton of backstory, I would say. You get no explanation of this universe. You get no explanation of why things are the way they are. You don't get anything about like the emperor and like who this shadowy figure is or why um, the the main plot line of this, essentially the one of these 
plant houses within this planetary system. They they're sort of like a noble house. They are sent to t- try to mine for this really amazing chemical um, psychoactive drug, essentially, that's at the basis of this entire universal civilization called Spice. Uh, and they're sent to this planet to take over the um, operation of like extracting this. And you don't really get an explanation of why they do it other than just the emperor told them to. You don't get an explanation of why the emperor asked them to do this and then sort of sets them up. So there, there's none of that. Um, to me, that was actually one thing I was going to bring up later that I liked is that this is new IP, so we're not just getting the same recycled superhero stuff, the same recycled Star Wars stuff, and then it's not dumbed down, but also not over-explained to the audience. Like it's sort of just like you're in this universe, you'll pick it up as you go along, just figure it out. We're not gonna, you know, like over-explain it. But I'm, I guess, what I'm wondering is like, did that work for you? You think it would have been better if there was better explanation? Yeah, I think it would have been better if there was more explanation, um, because then you would I think you would get a better sense of why these things were happening. So and I don't you know, I don't want to do the whole spoiler thing, um, you know, why the house had to be taken down, why they were sent to the planet in the first place. You know, it. It, to me, the movie played as just things are happening, and you're and and I, I already read the book, so I knew why. Right. But I, but I but I felt like if I hadn't read the book, I would be like, wait, what? Wait, why? <laughs> what, what's going? You know, like what's going on? Um, like so one one of the things I thought they should have been more deliberate about and more explicit about was the fact that the Duke knew that it was a trap. Yeah, that's fair. Before he accept, before he accepted the commission to take over the planet, and I thought in the scene where the emperor's uh, emissary or whatever was reading the proclamation for him to take over, I thought they should have done a better job at that point of letting us know, like maybe intersplice with that scene, him discuss to accept it, and this is how we're going to deal with it. You know, that's so interesting. If, you, if, if they intersplaced it with the proclamation, by the time the proclamation was over, we know that they all know it's a trap and that, he has to do it anyway. So then when he's accepting it, it's like the, it, it raises the stakes. You know, it, it, it makes it feel more important that he's taken over this planet. Yeah, that's interesting because that whole that seems very fascinating because there's a lot of subtext there. It's clearly something sinister is behind everything that's going on. And you can see that in the like, you know, weighted glances that every character is giving each other. Cause otherwise you're like, they're just signing a proclamation to go do this thing. Why is this a bad thing? It seems like they are gonna make money by being the, you know, like exploiters of this, this spice. But then there's all these like furtive looks and things like that. And so I agree with you there. I guess, I guess for me though, it's just like, I just, I have a preference in movies that I just end up really liking movies. Like I can think of like Dunkirk or Gravity where you're just, immediately put into a world you're not given like one of the things i hate about superhero movies is like you get the every batman movie we need to have the 45 minutes about his childhood and how his parents died and like there's just sometimes where like when you're just thrown into a world you're left sort of like on you're, the the director trusts you enough to figure it out on your own or at least figure out enough of what's going on for you to like get the movie i just sometimes enjoy that i just like the immersive experience more than like let's spend you know like in the case of tv shows the first three episodes setting everything up 
Yeah, I, I don't I don't necessarily disagree with you. I just feel that there wasn't enough story here mm, that's, to support that kind of storytelling. That's know? fair. And I wonder if we get that in the second movie. I would hope so. <laughs> I would hope there wouldn't be two or three movies where there is no story. <laughs> and uh, yeah, because I, I think one of the things I didn't. Did you really like the book? Um, I thought it was OK, but I read it. I read it long after it had become derivative, you know, like yeah. everybody else had taken from it already. Um, so like I read it maybe three years ago, five years ago, something like that. That's when I read um, it too. I, I thought it, I struggled with it and I really like science fiction, but I struggle with it. I struggled with it because there was so much explanation and so much like arcania of like the language and spice and, you know, the water stuff and things like that. And it was, I actually far preferred the movie and that isn't something I usually say. Mm, Interesting. Well, yeah, I guess I didn't, I guess I feel about the movie the way I felt about the book, which I guess is kudos to the director because usually the movie is far worse than the book. Yeah. But, um, but no, I think they did a good job of sticking to the story in the book. Um, but I guess I just didn't care for the book all that much. That, yeah, <laughs> maybe that's what it is. I didn't care for the movie all that much either. That, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting that, you know, this is a notorious, the first version of this movie was cr- directed by David Lynch, who, you know, is very famous as a surrealistic sort of director. Highly recommend you seeking out some of his movies if you haven't seen Blue Velvet or Lost Highway. I watched him a lot when I was taking films, um, film courses in college, um, but he nearly quit filmmaking altogether after directing Dune, he had such problems with the um, the studio that was overseeing the project. And um, the, so his, his version of the movie is not good um, back from the 80s. And so I, I guess for me, this was a vast improvement on that. Um, but it's a good question of like, why this material? Why, you know, like, why does this material resonate with people? Because it seems like you and I are both like, the book just the original you know foundational text here wasn't that great right and and i feel like it's not the kind of book that lends itself to no. a movie no you know so one thing i will say is what the um a scene that i thought was better in the original movie the movie from the 80s was when um paul had to put his hand in the box and there mm-hmm. was the ganja bar at his neck in the original movie you could see like it looked like the flesh on his hand was melting away and burning yeah. off yep and you could see the pain he was feeling and in in the movie it was just you saw his facial expressions and he was uh, 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 like that but you didn't really get a sense of what he was feeling and i i thought they could have borrowed in this movie what you said david lynch was the yeah. the, the director of the original i feel like they could have borrowed that scene from david lynch that's a, that's a, that's really interesting, and I think that's always a, a cool thing to do is see how films that are about the same topic or what, or books and films on the same topic are in conversation or they're not. Um, and so, yeah, I think that could have added it. What did you? So my, you know, my fourth thing here would just be that that I, I liked was. I really thought the performances were great. I'm not very familiar with Timothy Chalamet's work, but I thought he was great. Jason Momoa was fun. Yeah, I thought the acting was pretty good across the board. Um, I, I just think, I just think the characters were flat. 
That is true. You know? Yeah. I, I didn't feel any emotional connection to them. I didn't really get a sense of who they were. Um, I just... And, and the acting was fine. I, I don't think it was the fault of the actors. I just, I, I thought the characters were flat. Well, and again, that goes back to your point about lack of backstory. And for me, that being a positive and for you, it being like, I actually, if I'm going to invest my time and energy in this world, I actually want to know what this world entails. Um, and yeah, you just sort of are like, get the, this is the prince that is promised stuff. And uh, about Timothy Chalamet's character, the Duke, and you don't really get any explanation of why that's important to this larger universe. So for me, that's a positive. For you, I can understand why it's not. Yeah, yeah, definitely not a positive. <laughs> now, I, I, I would, I think I would feel the way you feel if, along with what I was saying previously with the story, uh, you know, there being more story, um, if they in some kind of way fleshed out at least the main character more, Paul. Yeah, Paul. If yeah. they at least fleshed him out more, and I think they also also should have fleshed out more the mother, mm-hmm. um, because the mother plays a huge role in in this story as well. Um, if if maybe those two had been fleshed out a bit more, then maybe it would have been acceptable. But and that uh, she's she's not the like queen; she's the concubine of his father, right? And then also she is part of a religious sect that is very important in this universe. Right, right. And I feel like they didn't give enough detail about that, but I guess they can do that in in the subsequent movies. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, it'll, I think it's very important that we understand what the Benny Jesuit Benny Jesuits are. Yeah, and who they are. Agreed. Um, Agreed. But they didn't. Re- we didn't really get that much in, in this movie. No, we didn't. All right. And then <laughs> I think this is the one thing I didn't like. And, I, you know, I gave you a heads up about this before we were going to talk about it before we jumped on the pod here. But this is a desert movie. And in the book, The Desert and in this film, the desert is terrorized by these huge carnivorous worms. So it's not just, you know, the only enemy here isn't just the other houses that are going against House Atreides, uh, which is the main house uh, of the plot here. And are these worms terrifying? Yes. You know, they're like shaking up the desert. Are they visually stunning? I thought they did, you know, a really good job when you see the sand uplifting under them, like, uh, you know, almost like an earthquake. You know, you definitely are like captivated as a viewer and you get like sort of that Chris Matthews as tingle up your leg when you see them disrupting the sand as they are like approaching the humans. But Jody, like to me, and I, I just think there's no other way to say this. They made a visual decision to make these worms when like they open up their mouths to look a lot like an anus. And now I'm not one who has spent other a lot of time exploring that region of my body or anyone else's, you know, other than when I was I've been, had to change diapers as a father. But the, the mouths look a lot like a shit cutter. And I'm just wondering if like. Could we maybe have made a different directorial decision there in terms of what the worms look like? Because I'm not sure I need to see that over and over and over again. Yeah, I can I can definitely see the anus comparison. <laughs> um, I think we've all seen enough anuses to, to make that comparison. But um, yeah, I, I thought I thought it was fine. I, what I was reminded of was Return of the Jedi. Good point. The scene yep. where they were throwing the the hostages or whatever into the worm's mouth. Um, so that, that that's what, and then I started wondering, well, did George Lucas get this from Dune? You know? Yeah. Um, so, 
But yeah, anuses, that, that's a fair comparison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just it just catches me up, uh, caught me up a few times that I just didn't necessarily need to. Um, but yeah, I would say so. Yeah, overall for me, this movie is well worth watching. If you're not going to venture out into the theaters yet, uh, it is cool that it's on HBO and streaming. So uh, I highly recommend it. I think you are less, I mean, you seem to be pretty lukewarm on it. <laughs> I'm lukewarm, but I would say go and see it. You know, it's not it's not a movie where I would say do not waste your money. I'm I'm not saying that. Uh, I just walked away from it feeling less than impressed. You know, and I didn't even pay for it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, there you go. That is that is our take on um, on uh, Dune, and I do think it's worth seeing. But uh, yeah, if, uh, I'm glad you joined me on the pod to discuss this. Uh, do you have any uh, fun Halloween plans since you know we're recording this on Halloween? Anything you're doing with your kids? Uh, my kids are old enough now where they go off with their friends and they do things and they tell me about it later. So man, that is. <laughs> That is the dream. I, I will be out there uh, watching them gorge themselves on candy all all day tonight. Um, and hopefully I won't have a repeat of yesterday where I had a 10-minute conversation with my oldest daughter where uh, she was in short sleeves and the weather has changed her and it's now cold and she kept complaining about how cold she was and I suggested she put on additional clothing and her response was that she had enough clothing on. It was just that the essentially the temperature was not complying with being warm enough for her to wear what she wanted to wear. So uh, those conversations are always fun when you're dealing with the logic of, of, of your children. Hey, they're always correct. They are always correct. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is this episode of the Insatiable Content Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me, Jody, and I uh, hope you guys have a good week and watch and uh, or listen to something really good.